the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And uh, we are really going gangbusters on our series on the doctrine of the Trinity. Tonight, we bring you part 17. Now, this essential doctrine of the Christian faith is one of the most controversial teachings in the Bible. The doctrine of the Trinity has been misunderstood. It's been maligned. It's been attacked. It's been it's even been denied and isogeted throughout history, going all the way back to the Arian heresy under Arius Alexander. So the big question is, why is there so much biblical illiteracy when it comes to this doctrine, particularly in our churches? And what can we do to disciple people in this essential teaching? Well, for the answer to this and much, much more, stay tuned. Get your pen and paper ready. For we are not pretending, we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed. And uh, thank you so much for that uh, uplifting and challenging uh, introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know that you're going to be blessed and uplifted by our program tonight. So thank you for joining us tonight. And we've been uh, doing this uh, long series on uh, the if propositions regarding the Trinity. And we have dealt with demonstrating that God is one God in the Bible. He's called God biblically. And that one God is called Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we've been spending some time talking about the third person of the Trinity, and that is God, the Holy Spirit. And I want to continue with that uh, tonight. So uh, as Brother Gary has said, we want to encourage you to get uh, your Bibles, your pens, your papers, and your uh, get by a desk and get a chair and uh, prepare to be blessed by the teaching tonight. And we are uh, going to enter into like a Bible uh, school and seminary type teaching for you. So prepare your hearts. We want to call your attention to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And most of you probably familiar with this chapter uh, on uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira. They were married and they were uh, had a serious problem uh, with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has a serious problem with them. And uh, so uh, let me kind of give you uh, just a little bit of information before I get into the scriptures itself um, and the more of the story behind this. Uh, let's set the uh, background by doing this. Uh, 
the uh, church gave birth in the book of Acts. Uh, we're talking about chapter one and then and all the way up to uh, throughout the book of Acts. <clears throat> and so uh, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came like a rushing mighty wind upon the church and people were blessed and they exercised their gifts and people were touched and uh, so forth. And over 3,000 or more people were saved in the Lord. Holy Spirit just moving in a mighty way, mighty, mighty way. And uh, there was no uh, defects in the early church until you got to the book of uh, Acts chapter 5. This was the first defect. You might want to make note of that word, the first defect in the in the early church. And this is why the Lord, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, didn't play with this situation because this was the first defect and the God was trying to get a message. And, and because of these two people's problems in the church around finances, uh, that uh, the Lord uh, dropped both of them dead and fear came upon the entire church because God was trying to give a message to the people. You remember it tells us in 1 Peter 4 and 17, 1 Peter 4 and 17, that Peter, <clears throat> the same apostle that was dealing with Ananias and Sapphira, he writes here that judgment must begin in the house of God. And man, I think he might have been thinking about uh, Ananias and Sapphira and along with some other people when he thought about writing that. Judgment must begin in the house of God. And you know, you better thank the Lord for uh, his grace since the cross. And, and we must not take advantage of his grace because it says, uh, you know, must we continue to sin that grace may abound. A grace can is not a cheap grace like one theologian said. And we must not take advantage of God's grace. And when he has called us to be good stewards of uh the finances that he has entrusted us with, and he tells us to lay up not for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves break in, but lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. The best investment that you can do is to give to the Lord, give to your church, give to contending for the faith and other ministries that have been blessing you because the Lord smiles upon that. You know, it's not enough to just get blessed by great teaching and not be faithful to giving. And so uh, these two people uh, were not faithful and uh, God dropped them dead around their, uh, you know, unfaithfulness around their finances. And uh, so if uh, the we were still living today uh, during the time of Ananias and Sapphira, there would be so many people dropping dead in our churches today that uh, the preachers wouldn't have, they would be doing, they wouldn't have enough time to do all the funerals for the people uh, because of them dropping dead because of their unfaithfulness and not being good stewards of what God has entrusted them with. So this is the first defect in the church. This was the first display of hypocrisy in the church. Holy Spirit moving in the church and dynamically, people getting saved, exercising their gifts. And then here's two people 
that allowed Satan to influence them in the area of hypocrisy. You remember, uh, that's one of the main things, one of the main things that makes the Lord angry than any other thing. You remember in Matthew 23, he said over and over, woe unto you hypocrites. He said hypocrites over and over. You know, uh, you appear to be righteous outwardly, but you're dead man's bones. And Jesus got righteously angry with hypocrisy. If you are a hypocrite in the church today uh, or a hypocrite outside the church, you need to repent. And especially if you're in the church, you need to repent right now. You need to tell the Lord, I confess my sins and I just uh, repent of the sin and I accept you as Lord and King of my life. Because when they were uh, falling into the area of hypocrisy, this is the only chapter, the main chapter, the first chapter, deal with slain in the spirit. And I'm not talking about slain in the spirit like the word faith and counterfeit revival people talking about. This is a real slain in the spirit by the Holy Spirit where he just literally dropped two people dead, you know, and he's warning us. Judgment begins in the house of God. We see so many people falling away from God with so many sins and immorality and drugs, alcohol, so many sins, gambling, so many sins, pornography. And uh, this stuff stirs up the Holy Spirit and it grieves him. And when you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, because that's a bad thing to do. And we see in Acts uh, 5 and 1 that Ananias and Sapphira, these were two classic cases and examples of hypocrisy among Christians who fake their Christian walk to impress others first and not God. <laughs> There's a lot of people like that in our churches today. They got their minds more on pleasing man than God. And they were in the congregation of those who believed. And the Holy Spirit was moving in a mighty way. But this was the first defect. And God really uh, gave a serious uh, judgment to wake the people up, and fear came upon the entire church. And then it says in Acts uh, 5 and 2, he kept back part of the proceeds. This was not the sin. I want you to understand this. Uh, Keeping back part of the proceeds was not the sin uh, itself, in and of itself. You see, the sin was that they had promised publicly that they were giving the full amount to receive it to the Lord, and their outward sin was lying about how much they were giving to the church, but uh, the deeper and more devastating sin was their spiritual hypocrisy, see? Uh, They lied, and the Bible says in John 8, Jesus said, the devil is the father of all lies. They got influenced by the devil. Judas Iscariot did. Uh, Judas Iscariot had uh, religion up to his teeth, but not a relation, relationship. And there's a lot of people like that in our churches today. And uh, some people say, well, how in the world did a Peter, the Apostle Peter, know this, that they were lying? Well, they were lying against the Holy Spirit because it says in, in Acts 5 and 4, while it remained, it was not in thine own, and after it was sold, after it was not in thine own power. Why hast thou 
conceived this thing in thine heart. Why hast thou lied unto men? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So here is uh, something very interesting. Someone may ask the question, how in the world did Peter know that they were lying? How did he know this? How did he get this information? Well, it wasn't information. It was inspiration because Peter exercised the gift of wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. Make a note of that. <laughs> he exercised the gift of wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. And uh, there are some people in the church that have that those gifts, including myself. And Satan uh, filled their hearts, Ananias and Sapphira, satanically and inspired in contrast to Barnabas being inspired by the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 4 and 37. And so here we have, let me say this in conclusion. Here we have uh, in uh, uh, verse uh, 4 that they had uh, lied unto, they said didn't lie unto men, but lied unto God. Here we have two great truths right here. Make a note of that in verse 4. We have the first great truth of the personality of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. So you can't lie to the wind, inanimate object. Uh, we, you can't lie uh, to something like that. You can only lie to a person. And any uh, person should know that, and en any English teacher will tell you that. You can only lie to a person. And... When the Jehovah's Witnesses try to say that uh, the Holy Spirit was in a uh, force, a wind, like Star Wars, don't believe it. That's a lie. That's a lie of the enemy. He's a person. And because you can only lie to a person. That's the, one of the great truths of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. Then the second great truth is this, that they said he lied unto God. Now, this is one of the great scriptures on the deity of the Holy Spirit. They lied unto God. The Holy Spirit is God. And we need to accept the fact that here are two great conclusion truths. Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit is God. And uh, we're going to pray this prayer in closing. Lord, we just ask you to forgive those who are living lives of hypocrisy. We pray that you would uh, forgive them and restore them uh, and bring a spirit of repentance. We also ask you, Lord, to Convict those who are involved with cults and false religions and who are ignorant of the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person and he's God. Third person of the Trinity. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. Well, all right. It's time for us to take a commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry O. Buckner. We know that we've got some mighty prayer warriors out there who have been standing in the gap for contending for the faith these many, many years. And we thank you so much for your consistent, diligent prayers. And we also want to thank those of you who have partnered with us over the years financially to make this ministry continue. It's uh, listener-supported, and uh, right now we need your support. We owe about $250, and we want to retire that debt. 
it costs us 400 a week to remain on the air. And so it, it does take quite a bit to keep this thing going. And you guys have been so faithful over the years to help us do so. And we just ask that you continue to pray for us and that you also continue to donate. And there's two ways that you can give. One is address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon is spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Now, the second way is so much easier. Just simply go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button. It's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. And speaking of time, this is the night where you spring forward. So you're going to have to remember to set your clocks ahead tonight. We're going to unfortunately lose an hour. So if you've got to be at church early, you want to be mindful that the time is going forward. Typically, a lot of folks are late for church when we we spring forward. So bear that in mind. All right, Dr. Buckner, are you ready to take some phone calls? Let's do that, Brother Gary. Looking forward to that. All right, let's go to Brother Rick. Brother Rick, how you doing? Hear me. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. we hear you loud and clear. Oh, cool. Yes. Got a question. Yes, what's and on it your comes heart? Second Thessal- it comes from Second Thessalonians uh, 2. Seven yes. coming of the Antichrist, but it mentions a person that is going to be uh, set, set set out of the way. Who is that person? That is a very good question, and this is a, a question that has been debated amongst theologians and uh, preachers. And this is a question that Rick is asking from. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, and it reads, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So some people have uh, interpreted this uh, to mean the rapture, that the church will be raptured up and taken out of the way before the tribulation period. Uh, I don't see that in this context because the context tells us that uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 uh, regarding the Antichrist, it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means for that day, the day is referring to the second coming of Christ, shall not come, notice it says, shall not come except there come, now number one, a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So this is a black eye for those who say that there's going to be a pre-trib rapture and the church is going to be gone. No, uh, the church will be here during the time of the Antichrist and will experience the wrath of the Antichrist, but not the wrath of God. Now, when you get to verse 7, because the context explains everything, Verse 7 says, uh, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Uh, I believe that this is uh, a reference to uh, the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one 
that's uh, preventing the Antichrist from being full-blown unleashed. Uh, he's restraining. So another word for letteth, well, well, letteth, will let, is another word for restrained. And that's an important word. He is restraining him. Uh, and when the restraint is taken off, then all hell will break loose in the cosmos and the world by which we live. Now, it is also interesting, it says, until he be taken out of the way. Now, we're talking about the Holy Spirit tonight. And when those who say that there is a pre-trip rapture, that the uh, everybody's going to be gone, Holy Spirit, but this is simply not teaching that the Holy Spirit is going to be gone. It simply says that he will be taken out of the way. Taken out of the way for what? To let the Antichrist have full-blown attack upon the world, just like he gave permission against Job. Because the devil can't do nothing unless he gets God's permission. We see that not only with Job, he went before God and asked God, to let him go at Job. And then we see that when uh, the demoniac man uh, in the Gospels was uh, demonized, and then the Jesus had, was getting ready to cast him out, they went to ask Jesus, permit us to go into the swine. See, they cannot do nothing unless they get God's permission uh, I think it was Martin Luther one time that said, the devil is God's devil. In other words, he's on a leash, and God can allow the leash to be uh, loosed. And uh, here we're going to see that the leash will be loosed, and he'll be able to have a full-blown attack upon the universe by which we live. So this here, uh, only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. We thank God for the Holy Spirit right now because if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, working in the church, working in our lives individually, and convicting people of sin, righteousness, and judgment, if he wasn't doing all that and restraining the Antichrist uh, from being unleashed, uh, we wouldn't be able to do these things. But just remember that uh, Jesus said, in Matthew 24 and throughout the gospel, the end will not come until the gospel has been preached across the whole world. And then the end will come. So what God is doing right now, he has a real concern about people getting saved. And the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. So God wants to see people get saved and get in the kingdom. And uh, that's what is preserving uh, all hell from being unleashed right now, and the Holy Spirit is working that. So hopefully that helps out, and it's given you some insight of that verse of Scripture. Well, I, I, was, I was reading the, I was reading the, uh, ver, the verse before verse 7, verse 6, and, and, and verse 6 reinforces what verse 7 is saying. Absolutely, because verse 6 is saying, and now he know, you know that withholdeth he might be revealed in his time. So very true, because verse 6 is talking about uh, that he is holding, withholding. And uh, 
the word withholding is another word for restrained. So he's restraining him uh, and he will be unrevealed in his time. So absolutely true. That's why I say the context. So verse six falls right into explaining even verse seven, even on a deeper level. Amen. Amen. So and, thank you. Know, and, and, I, and I always say, thank God we have the Holy Spirit right now. Absolutely. Things, things could be a lot worse. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. So you have any prayer requests before we let you go? And thank you for that. Continue, good... continue to pray for my mother. Continue, continue to pray for her that she has strength to carry on. And for her salvation, especially her salvation. Because mm -hmm. her time is short. Okay. And, well, and for any of us, we don't know when, when, when it's going to end for any of us. But for my mother, I know it's short. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah that's a help. very important prayer request, uh, Brother Rick. And uh, we uh, always will keep that in prayer. And uh, so we're going to ask Brother Gary uh, to lead us in prayer around your prayer request. Mm. So, Lord, we just thank you for Brother Rick. We pray, Lord God, that you would continue to keep him strong, keep him um, encouraged, Lord God. Help him to recognize by the power of your Holy Spirit that you are on the case, and that you're always working. And we pray that you work on behalf of his mother and that you, Lord God, would open her heart, soften her heart, that she would receive you and recognize you as Savior. We pray for her salvation. We pray, Lord God, that you, Lord God, would just bring her into your kingdom. And Lord God, that you would give Brother Rick peace in the meantime, your perfect peace which surpasses all understanding. Guard his heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Continue to keep him in good health. Continue to keep him encouraged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Rick, Amen. thank you so much. I just want to make one more note to you before you go. In verse 7, it says, For the mystery of iniquity, the word for iniquity is lawlessness, is already at work. So we see that lawlessness is already at work right now, and lawlessness under the Antichrist is going to get, it's going to be worst among worse. We think it's, lawlessness is bad now, but it's going to get worse. So the word iniquity is another word for lawlessness, and we're living in a world where people are just not obeying the laws of the land, uh, and the Antichrist is going to come behind that and defy it too. So thank you so much for your your call and your question, brother. God bless. God bless. All right. Well, let's go to our next caller. It looks like we lost uh, Sally, but we got Sophia on the line. Sophia, how are you doing? Oh, it's so good to talk to you both, as always. I want to look very quick because I know other people are waiting, but I have to acknowledge it was wonderful to hear Frederick. So if you're listening, Frederick, it was wonderful to hear you. You had a good report, so I'm so happy. Okay, so this is my question. I'll be very quick. So we will be at the, the judgment seat. It's kind of good follow-up to Rick's fabulous call because I'm a little confused. When it takes place, now, are all believers go to the judgment seat? And then I know that unbelievers go, but will some believers go to the judgment seat? And some pastors say, well, no, 
they have to go to the tribulate through the tribulation, but others will go up with the Lord on their own first and be spared. But you just addressed that. So I want to know when does the judgment seat take place for us and then for the unbelievers? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's going to be uh, an event that takes place simultaneously. Oh. Uh, so we're going to see the judgment take place. Uh, of the believers right when Christ comes back. So when we are caught up in the air, uh, we will be judged according to our works, not our sins, Uh because Christ nailed that to the cross. And then after that, there will be a judgment of the great white throne judgment that it speaks about in the book of Revelation of the uh, unjust and the unrighteous. So it will be simultaneously uh, because uh, the Bible, Jesus talks about in John 6 about the last day when the, uh, you can read John uh, 6 sometime where uh-huh. it talks about uh, he will call all of those out of the grave, the righteous and the unrighteous, and they will be judged in the last day. So this will be a simultaneous situation. Uh, and as far as uh, people being left on the earth. Uh, That's the pre-tribulation position that started in the uh, 1800s under Charles uh, uh, Nelson Darby. Uh, Uh But that's a a late, uh, Johnny-come-lately view that is not consistent with Scripture because uh, we will all, we're all God's children, and he's not going to rapture up uh, the Gentiles and leave the Jews here to be butchered because it, it tells us in Galatians 3 that there's neither Jew, Greek, bond, or free. We're all one in Christ Jesus, and we're all see, uh, children of the seed of Abraham. So uh, there's not going to be like a separation where the, the Gentiles are raptured up and then the Jews are left here to be butchered by the Antichrist. Uh-huh. God doesn't work that way, and that would make God a racist. You know, it tells us in Revelation uh, 13 and 5 that that uh, he made war against the saints. And the saints uh-huh. is talking about all all of us who are Jews and Gentiles, and all of us will be judged simultaneously, and but the righteous will be judged first, and then immediately the unrighteous will be judged right after that. Oh, I see. Okay, so that that answers that. So we're not going to be, because we're not being judged for our sins, we can't be cast out at that point. We just will miss out on some rewards. Is that what what the judgment seat is? We won't be cast out. Right, right. Uh, So, you know, God will judge us what, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. You might want to look at that. He said that we'll all be judged according to our works. So, uh, so there will be, and then also First Corinthians 3, that there will be a loss of rewards. So those who are not faithful, dedicated, they will lose out on rewards, and uh, that's what will happen. Apparently, we got like uh, less than a minute. You have a prayer request, and we're going to pray for that quickly, but thank you for your good question as well. You have a prayer request real quick? Well, yes, uh, real quick, of course, like Rick, I want to pray for my family's salvation. Very important, and since that there's no greater prayer. So if you do that quickly for me, Gary. Yes, and by the way, while we have you too, Brother Rick uh, told me last week that 
He said, I would really like to uh, talk with, he would like to talk with you so you can talk with Vince and see how that can happen. And then Vince will let me know. And then, because uh, Rick can, you can always have his number, but you pray over it. And, uh, but Rick said, uh, he's a Jewish brother, but he said he would really like to talk to you sometime. Oh, okay, wonderful. That would be quite a blessing for me. So I will do that. So I'll let you pray, and I will talk to, to Vince about that next time I call. Okay, so Brother Gary? All right. So, Lord, we just thank you for our sister Sophia, her faithfulness. We thank you, Lord God, for the amazing growth we see in her and, and her boldness, Lord God, to speak out in behalf of you. We thank you that she stands her ground. She's She's, she's a, a fearless warrior for you, Lord. And we pray that you continue to bless her, protect her, and keep her safe. And, Lord, we ask that you honor her prayer request for the salvation of her family, that they, Lord God, would come to a saving knowledge of you. We give you thanks, praise, and glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you both. God bless you, too. Thank, Thank you, you for your call and your good question as well. So, so Dr. Buckner, I have a a follow-up question for you before the commercial. So the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. So all believers that die right now, uh, will they they be judged at that moment based on their works, or will they have to wait till that moment uh, of the rapture to be judged on their works? That's a very good question. When a believer dies... Uh, they go to the presence of the Lord. They will not be judged then. Uh, they will be judged at the second coming of Christ uh, after rapture. So that will all take place during that rapture period time. So that so that's when it will uh, take place. So not at the time when they die and go in the presence of the Lord, but it will be when uh, the second coming. All of that, and we we see that from John six. And when he judges, when his second coming, it talks, it's in the context of the second coming in Matthew 24 that we see that's when the judgment happens during his second coming, but not when the believer dies. They're just in the presence of the Lord. And then when he brings them back, that's when the judgment will take place. All right. Well, we better take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open and we want to hear from you. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecture Counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. And uh, we just can't thank you guys enough for your continuous prayers and your continuous financial support of our ministry. It's so important that you continue to pray. And also, this is a listener-supported ministry, and we do need your support right now to retire a debt of $250. It costs us $400 a week to remain on the air. There's two ways you can donate. Number one, you can send a letter or an address a letter or a check to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's address a money order or check to Contending for the Faith. P.O. Box 
Tiburon, California. Tiburon spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California 94920. Second way is so much easier. You don't even need a postage stamp. You can just go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button. It's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. And speaking of time, don't forget, Spring Forward happens tonight. So you need to set your clocks ahead and be mindful that you're not late for church in the morning. All right, let's quickly get back to our callers, Dr. Buckner. Let's do that, uh, Brother Gary. Okay, we're going to go to Jermaine. Are you there? Oh, hello, I'm here. Hey, Brother Jermaine, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm very good. Oh, good, my brother. Uh, What's on your heart? Uh, We got a lineup of a lot of callers, and we're going to get right to your question. What's on your heart tonight? Yeah, I just wanted to continue where um, I left off a couple weeks ago. I'll talk about properties or spiritual bodies. Um, You know, I've heard some people kind of take a guess at what they believe we would do based on on, uh, Scripture, maybe, you know, using the resurrection of Christ and how uh, he seemed to walk through, you know, uh, doors and defy the, the current laws of physics, but... When I took a look back in Scripture, I, I see that there's a lot of things that that uh, Christ is doing that's never really talked about. Like, you know, for instance, in Acts chapter 10 and Luke 24, and you know, he he actually ate after resurrection, and then went back to Genesis 18, where Abraham met with with uh, the three men that were believed to be angels, and and they ate also. And I was just wondering if. Uh, you know that, like when the Bible talks about the manna from heaven in, in Exodus, does that mean that angels and and you know maybe us in the future or spiritual bodies will be actually eating or consuming some type of sustenance? I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, thank you so much. That's a very good question. You know, one of the uh, biggest, uh, greatest answers on what type of body that we will have <clears throat> is in uh, Luke 24. And when you mentioned the word walk through that you've heard, uh, that would be an incorrect way of uh, explaining it because uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, they use the terminology of Jesus going through the doors like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Uh, what you have with a spiritual body from Luke 24 and you can probably really do an exhaustive study on that. <clears throat> the disciples were in the uh, upper room, and Jesus appeared, and the doors were sh- shut, and he simply appeared. Now, so what Jesus had uh, was an ultra-dimensional body, and uh, he said, handle me and see, for a spirit has not uh, flesh and uh bones as you see me have. So what we learn about a spiritual body is that it's composed of flesh and bones, but no blood, because we're depending on the Holy Spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. When it talks about flesh and blood, it's talking about the immortal body. I mean, the mortal body, not the immortal body, but the mortal body. When it says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So what we learn from Luke 24 is that a uh, spiritual body is an ultra-dimensional uh, body composed of flesh and bones, but no blood, and it can appear and disappear 
and it can also eat because Jesus after that was able to eat. Uh, how the food was dissolved is a mystery. Uh, God will explain that to us, but it tells us in 1 John 3 and 2 uh, that uh, we will have bodies like him. It, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, what we will be like him. Uh, we will see him as he is. So uh, this is like a real good picture of the one of the closest things that we can come to what Jesus' body was like was in Luke 24. And we see also throughout uh, the days that he was uh, around after his resurrection, he was appearing, disappearing. And uh, it was like a, a body composed of flesh and bones uh, is a spiritual body composed of flesh and bones, uh, and it can appear and disappear. And we think Superman has something. He don't have nothing on this unique body that we will have. And uh, uh, we will be able to uh, do things that we've never been able to do. It will be a body uh, that's imperishable, a glorious body, a powerful body, and a body that will never die again. So uh, so look at, and also uh, look at uh, Luke 24, do a real thorough teaching of that, and then 1 John 3 and 2, and then 1 Corinthians 15 talks about there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. So uh, the natural body is the mortal, the, the spiritual body is the immortal, and that's the, and it's, and it's defined from Luke 24, and it also debunks the whole argument of uh, Genesis 6 when they talk about uh, angels and, 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 I mean, demons having sex with humans, and it became giants because uh, Jesus said, um, a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have, so they cannot uh, take on, a uh, spirit cannot take on physical capacity. So, uh, so anyway, uh, which means demons, they cannot. They are non-corporeal, which means they are non-physical. So hopefully that helps out. Something to chew on, uh, but look at Luke 24 and listen to what I said and study over that, and then feel free to come uh, call back and we could uh, process it and talk about it some more. Okay, I'll, I'll do that this week and I'll get back to you. Appreciate it. Okay, you got it. God bless, brother. All right, Gary. Who we All right, let's quickly go to CC. CC, how you doing? All right, how you guys doing? Can you hear me? Yes, yes. we can hear you. We're going to get okay, to your perfect. question real quick because we have one more caller. We're going to try to get him in. Uh, but what's on your heart tonight? You can just share a little bit about the Emperor Nero. Um, that will be, be helpful. Okay, have you done any study on him yourself? Um, yeah, I have not, 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 not deep as I went with uh, Antiochus Epiphanes and other people, but I have, I've done some here and now. Well, let me just kind of whet your appetite on him quickly, uh, give your Reader's Digest condensation on him. Well, you know that he was one of the worst uh, Roman emperors, he was really uh, bad news, and he was involved with the death of uh, the Apostle Paul beheaded him, you know. Uh, but this is a little bit about him. Nero, uh, he, he ruled Rome from 54 AD, around 54 AD. 
uh, until his death by suicide 14 years later. Um, he is best known for his uh, debaucheries and excessive indulgences, sensual pleasures, political murders, persecution of Christians. Um, he came into power at the age of 17 after his mother fed uh, poisoned mushrooms to his adoptive, adoptive father, Claudius. Uh, he eventually had his mother stabbed to death. I'll tell you, this guy was a character. Uh, he uh, married his friend's wife, and three years later, in an outburst of rage, killed his wife with a single kick to the belly. Uh, during the time of his power, fires broke out everywhere, and they said that he was responsible for that. And uh, at the end of the Apostle Paul's life, uh, Paul kind of pretty much, even though he doesn't mention his name, he talks about his death in 2 Timothy 4, and it was a brutal death. I did a tremendous teaching on this thing, uh, but hopefully that helps you out. Uh, and the things I said, uh, you can do some additional work on that and study, and then I would like to have you call back and tell me more what you learned. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look at some of the things I said. And then uh, feed into that some more and tell me a few things next uh, Saturday, what you learned, and we'd like to hear that. Okay, no, no problem. All righty, brother. Thank you so much for your uh, call and your question as well. God bless you. All right, let's quickly go to Greg. All right, Greg, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, how you doing? Two- oh, how you doing, brother? Okay, there's two questions I want to ask. Who will be the beast in Revelation? Well, that's a good question. The, the, the beast in Revelation, well, it, it depends on what chapter that you're talking about. If you're talking about Revelation chapter 13, yeah. uh, you're talking about the beast. Uh, one of the beasts is the Antichrist, I believe, uh, yeah. that's referred to. And uh, another beast will be his political dictator, which will uh, be uh, a beast that will work with him to do his political work. Yeah. Uh, but the beast uh, that uh, is described, that's really yeah. labored on in uh, Revelation chapter 13, is talking about uh, the Antichrist. And uh, I believe yeah. that that's consistent with Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two, and uh, some passages in Daniel uh, as well. Okay. Okay. And then and you have, and, then you uh, then you have other types of beasts, which is talking yeah. about uh, in Revelation seventeen seven through eighteen. You're talking about political powers that the Antichrist will move and use uh, the the ten different horns and all of that that he will use. Uh, to uh, be in power with him. All right. Now, the second question is, uh, what is the avenger of blood? I've been hearing it from some people. The avenger of blood. I never... Right, right. The avenger of blood. You know, uh, I've heard people talk about this too, and uh, I think that most people, when they use that term, uh, avenger of blood, uh, they 
are referring to uh, sometimes God in some what some people yeah. say, and then sometimes they refer to angels. But yeah. uh, I tell you what, that's a good question. Uh, yeah. Why don't you call back next week because okay. our time is out, uh, and let me let's deal with that some more. If you can call in, I'll uh, kind of give you a little more information on that, and we'll talk more about that. Okay. God bless you, brother. God bless you. And this is your first time calling? Yes, it is. Well, we appreciate you, man. Keep listening and let some more people know. And I'll look forward to talking to you more about this next week. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. God bless. Brother Gary, look like uh All right. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. And we'd like to thank Vince, our engineer. And you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us. So please... Drop us a note. Let us know how this program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. And don't forget, Tonight, you need to set your clocks ahead one hour and uh, not be late for church tomorrow. All right. God bless you. Good night.